welcome to this presentation of Bethel Family Church. We hope you enjoy listening and that it helps you to grow closer to Jesus. I've called my message this morning, Hold It On To Hope, The Power Of Patient Endurance. Sometimes in our life and in our world there are times when we really have to hold on to the hope that we have in God isn't there sometimes there are times when we just have to kind of patiently endure things because we can't cut them short we don't know when they're going to finish and sometimes there are there are times when we just have to wait and uh, sometimes we sing about waiting on God and what we do while we're waiting and I think in the, the first song we sang about worshiping and how we fight our battles by worshipping, which is an interesting concept, but a very biblical one. Maybe there are times in your life where God has actually, you know, or, or someone has shared with you something prophetically and God has spoken to you prophetically, almost like a promise. And sometimes there's, there's times when God speaks things to us uh, prophetically, whether it's through His Word or whether it's through a, 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 another person, a brother or sister who shares or prays something for us. And it's like it's a promise. And sometimes those things, we see the fulfillment, we see the, the outworking the, of those fairly quickly, don't we? And other times it seems like there are things that have been spoken into our lives from long ago that, that still haven't come to pass. And sometimes we start to wonder, don't we? Was, did we get that right? Was that word right? Um, did we miss it? Maybe did we do something wrong? I want to talk about some stories this morning um, about patiently enduring and patiently waiting. Some of us find this more difficult than others. <laughs> and sometimes it depends on the circumstances and what it is that we're waiting for and, uh, and how important it is to us too. Sometimes the patient endurance that we need to demonstrate is through, through trials, through difficulties, through sufferings, whether it's a difficult situation in our family or in our workplace. Sometimes it's through sickness or, or injury or pain. Uh, sometimes those are things that we patiently wait. And we might pray and ask God for change in that situation, like David who cried out to God and we read the Psalms and a lot of what we read in the Psalms is David crying out to God and saying, God, would you please um, deal with this situation? Take away my accusers, remove this affliction from me or, or something along those lines. Sometimes we need patient endurance to keep doing what's right. Sometimes we do what's right and it feels like instead of being rewarded for doing what's right, we get punished. Have you ever had situations like that? You do what's right and it feels like everything goes wrong anyway. And sometimes what we need is to, to not give up on doing what's right, but to continue to do what's right and wait patiently for our reward from God. Sometimes we need patient endurance for the cricket to be finished. Isn't that right, Katie? <laughs> I don't know if you're... I've been enjoying some of the, the ashes, particularly because Australia's been doing so well. But if you're not a fan of cricket, test matches seem to go on forever, don't they? 
My children certainly think so. My wife certainly thinks so. And so sometimes I'm enjoying some cricket and they're patiently enduring it. There are times in our life where we patiently endure or we need to patiently endure. Sometimes we do that well and I think sometimes, if you're anything like me, sometimes we do it not so well. Sometimes we might endure but not particularly patiently. There's a an interesting verse in uh, Lamentations chapter 3 where he talks about how when you're kind of waiting on God, it's good to sit quietly. Sometimes what we really want to do is complain to anyone who will listen when we're going through something difficult or when we're enduring or when we're waiting patiently, don't we? Hebrews 6, let me read this verse to you in, in verse 10. This is a verse that's been um, a real encouragement to me in a lot of times and situations. It says, For God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for Him and how you have shown your love to Him by caring for other believers as you still do. Our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. Then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. Now, when we read that first bit of that verse, we say, for God is not unjust. What is our our automatic reaction is, well, of course, God's not unjust. We would never accuse God of being unjust, would we? Except when life's not fair except when things don't work out, except like before when we do the right thing and it seems like everything goes pear-shaped and everything goes wrong and God doesn't reward us and then we think, God, why are you doing this? This isn't fair. God's not unjust except when he's unjust. But it's not, is it? He says this, this verse is a reminder to us that God sees those things and while he may not do things on our schedule or in our time or in the way that we might have liked, he sees those things and there's a reward if we continue to be faithful in doing those things, if we continue to patiently endure and persevere in doing what is right, if we follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises, it says, because of their faith and endurance. So I want to look at some examples. I've got a little picture here first. You might have seen something like that before, the little kitty that says, hang in there. It's a little bit of what we're talking about this morning, is hanging in there. Not just, But I guess what we're talking about is not just hanging in there through sheer determination or force of will, though, is it? It's hanging in there because... We know that we have a hope in Jesus. It is not foundationless kind of wishful thinking sometimes like uh, like the world might have, but it is hope that is based on the promises of God and He is faithful. So the first character that I want to look at this morning is Abraham. Now you might know the story of Abraham. We don't have... Uh, I've kind of got three characters this morning Abraham Joseph and David and those we could preach any number of sermons and we could talk for hours about the stories of those three guys I'm gonna kind of go through them fairly quickly because I want to really look at this just this aspect of their patient endurance and perseverance and so I'm not going to kind of give you the whole story we don't have time for that this morning but we'll try to just kind of touch and I'll try to give you a few little specific a little bit of information 
if you don't know the story. So Abraham was a guy who, who had no children. He was a guy that, that found favour in the eyes of God and God made a promise to him that he would have a son. And even more than just the promise of having a son, he promised that there would be a, he would have a great multitude of descendants, so great that um, they couldn't be counted. And uh, in Hebrews chapter 6, it talks a little bit about this promise of God to Abraham. It says, for example, there was God's promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater to swear by, God took an oath in his own name, saying, I will certainly bless you and I will multiply, multiply your descendants beyond number. Then Abraham waited patiently and he received what God had promised. It's easy sometimes when we read a verse like that, it's easy to go, oh yeah, God made Abraham a promise and then Abraham waited and then it all came about. And sometimes when we read Bible stories, it's easy to kind of gloss over sometimes the things that these characters went through because it's like we're getting a, um, a highlight reel sometimes. We get like the important bits and the facts, but sometimes there's, there's a whole lot more to the story sometimes, isn't there? It's a little bit like watching the, uh, the other day I missed, uh, I was at work and hadn't seen the cricket, uh, getting back to cricket again, which is dangerous territory, I know. Uh, but at the end of the day, I watched like an eight minute recap video of like the highlights of the day. And you just see like all the fours and the sixes and the wickets and, and that's, that's essentially it. But you skip over like what's um, eight hours or so of, of play. And sometimes it's a little bit like this. You, you kind of get the important bits, you get the facts, you get the critical information about what happened and how God fulfilled the promise. But sometimes we miss um, what it would have been like for, for Abraham. It was something like 25 years that he waited from when God gave him the promise until Isaac, his son, was born. And there was a whole bunch of things that kind of happened in between then, but that's a long time, isn't it? It's a long time for us. It's a long time, even though Abraham kind of had a bit of a longer life than what most of us will, it's a long time. Some of us have trouble waiting for 25 minutes, let alone 25 years I don't know, sometimes I stand in front of that microwave and think, man, why is this taking so long? A minute and a half never seems so long when you're hungry, does it? Abraham was a man who, although he, he waited patiently, there was also moments when he tried to do it his way. There was moments when he felt like God wasn't making things happen and maybe he'd missed it, maybe there was something he was meant to do and so he tried to take things into his own hands. And uh, I encourage you to read that story, you can find it in uh, Genesis um, chapters 12 through 25 there as it says up there. Um, the next character that I want to just look at, I told you it was going to be brief, the next character that I want to look at is Joseph. And some of you might know the story of Joseph Joseph was a guy, a young man, and God gave him a dream. Now, this wasn't just a, a random dream where you're like, you know, eating pizza or, uh, you know, driving the car and then suddenly it's flying or whatever. This was, this was a dream where essentially God told him that one day he was going to be a person of great power and influence. So much so that even his own family would bow down to him. 
Now, if you know anything about families, you know that you have to be pretty powerful before your family members will bow down to you. Isn't that right? Particularly older brothers. Anyone got older brothers here? One or two of you? Yes, you girls do. Can you imagine your older brother bowing down at your feet? Now, you might know some of the story from the time that Joseph received this promise It felt like rather than his life moving towards the fulfillment of it, it was just the opposite, wasn't it? It was like everything started to move in reverse. It was like he just got further and further and further away from power and influence by the day. He got thrown in a pit to die. He got sold into slavery. He was... He tried to do the right thing, he tried to serve his master faithfully, he turned, uh, when he was in Potiphar's house, he refused the advances of Potiphar's wife and he stayed faithful and he did the right thing and he got thrown in jail anyway. And there he is, rotting in prison and you've got to wonder what you know, might have been going through his mind at that moment. Psalm 105 actually talks a little bit about this story of Joseph and I want to just, it, it kind of highlights a, um, a, a little bit of a different perspective. You can read that narrative about Joseph in the last 13 or so, 37 to 50 in, in Genesis but I want to look at this passage in Psalm 105. It says, He, that's God, called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested Joseph's character. There's another translation that says that the word of the Lord tested Joseph's character. And I wonder if there was some sense in which, you know, there was this this promise that God had given to Joseph and it was this promise that that would have been going around in his mind and as he's sitting there and he's rotting in that dungeon cell and he's going God how did you know how are we gonna you know how are you gonna redeem this (laughs) this story of my life how you know and and in so many ways like he it was this moment of testing of going, was he going to hang on to that promise of God or was he not? Was he going to let it go? Was he going to give up? And we know, as the story goes on, it says, Pharaoh sent for him and set him free. The ruler of the nation opened his prison door. Joseph was put in charge of all the king's household. He became ruler over all the king's possessions. He could instruct the king's aides as he pleased and teach the king's advisors. Sometimes we're in, when we're in that place of, uh, of almost despair, of it just seeming like there is absolutely no way that God could possibly keep his promise now, that the, the opportunity is gone, that you know, only a, an absolute miracle could redeem the situation... It's that moment where we have a choice. Where do we do we hold on to that promise, or do we give up? Do we keep trusting God, or do we look at the circumstances around us? Third character is David. Now, David was a, a young man in the household of Jesse, um, and a prophet named Samuel. 
came and uh, basically anointed this young man, the youngest of, how many brothers did he have? Youngest of seven, I think, brothers. So overlooked by his own family that when the prophet came and said, God has told me to anoint one of your sons as the next king, they didn't even bother to call him in. They did a lineup of all the potential candidates and they didn't even bother to send him the message. They left him out looking after the sheep. And as, as Samuel went by and, and uh, looked at each of the sons who were big and strong and handsome and the Lord's like, nope, not that one, nope, not that one, nope, not that one, gets to the end of the line, nope, not that one. And Samuel must be scratching his head at this point going, hang on a minute, God, what, what's going on? And he's like, have you got any other sons? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's David, you know, he's out getting the sheep. You know, I better get him in, come and call him in and immediately God's, yes, this is the one, this is the man that I've anointed. Probably a, a teenager at this stage. And at first for David, things are okay. Goes back to looking at, you know, he gets anointed, this prophet tips oil on his head and says, you're going to be the next king and he's like, oh, cool. And then goes back to looking after the sheep again. It's like, not much changes um, I don't know whether his uh, relationship with his brothers might have changed a little bit, but we don't hear much about that. Uh, until the story that we know where David faces, you know, goes to take some food to his brothers who are serving in the army and the whole thing with Goliath and they're all afraid and David stands up to Goliath and, and defeats Goliath in single combat. Very manly story. And suddenly everybody knows who David is. And, and like some of our other stories, you know, this is the point where rather than moving more towards becoming the next king, things seem to go in reverse. Saul, who's the current king, um, gets really jealous of David and fearful that, uh, of David taking over his throne. And so he tries to kill David multiple times throws spears at him while he's playing music for him. And David runs and Saul starts hunting him across the country and, and David becomes this fugitive on the run, hiding out with his um, band of faithful guys that are with him. And he eventually goes and hides out in, in Philistine country. We know that the Philistines were the, or Philistines, however you like to pronounce it, I don't know what the more correct term is. I use them both interchangeably. They're the enemies of Israel and they're often raiding and attacking and at one point they occupied the land of Israel to the point where Israel wasn't even allowed to kind of have um, tools to make weapons. The, the Philistines completely dominated and kept control over all the weaponry to make sure that they didn't raise an army. But he goes and actually hides out in Philistine country because he knows that that would be very difficult for Saul to come and bring his army and, and find him there because that would start a an international incident. And there comes this point in First Samuel, uh, towards the end of First Samuel in chapter 30, where David and his fighting men had been away and they'd been living in this town of, uh, called Ziklag and uh, the, all the fighting men had, had been out somewhere else and when they came back, they discovered that their town had been raided by the Amalekites. Their wives 
their children had all been carried off into slavery and the town had been burnt to the ground. And David and his men are uh, essentially, they're sitting there in the ashes of their city having lost everything and it says that they, uh, in verse 4, it says that they wept until they could weep no more. They were just absolutely gutted. David, as the leader, his men turn on him. You know what it's like in a bad situation when everybody needs somebody to blame? They all blame David. And so it says uh, that they, uh, verse 6, it says that David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters and they began to talk of stoning him. So here's David, a man who was anointed by God, who was then subsequent, you know, who, who stood up and won a great victory for God's people and then everything just fell apart. The king turned against him, he's, he's hunted across the country, he's hiding out in caves, he's, you know, his, his life is in continual threat, he's trying to do the right thing. He's trying to follow God. He's, he's refusing to take matters into his own hands. He had opportunities when he could have killed King Saul and taken the throne by force and he refused. He said, I'm, I'm not going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to trust that God will fulfill the promise for me. But here, now here he is sitting in a, in a pile of ash that used to be his home. His wives and his children taken off into slavery. And I think if David was ever going to give up on the promise of God, that this would have been the moment, wouldn't it? This would have been the moment when he felt like he's got nothing left to live for. Everything's gone. His wives has gone, his, his family's gone, his, his men that were faithful have turned against him. And it must have been such a, a temptation for David just to, to lay down there in the, the ash and just say, right, guys, do whatever you want. I give up tried to do the right thing God where are you but what does it say in verse 6 it says that David found strength in the Lord his God some translations say uh, he strengthened himself in the Lord he took a little bit of time out and he went and he spoke to God and he spent time in God's presence can I tell you um, folks this morning that if you are patiently enduring something difficult, if it feels like things have turned south, if it feels like you don't have much um, to live for, you are not going to find strength in your Facebook feed. You are not going to find strength in the six o'clock news. You are going to find strength when you turn to God. You're going to find strength in Him as you wait on Him, as you choose to worship even in the darkest moments of your life. If you choose to worship and hold on to God, He will strengthen you. He will renew your strength just like David. The enemy will tell you to give up. The enemy will tell you in those moments that there is no hope for you maybe he'll tell you that you need to take matters into your own hands 
You need to make something happen. You need to do something. I want to encourage you this morning, don't listen to that voice. Hold on to the hope that you have. Hold on to that promise of God. The next few verses in in chapter 30 of 1 Samuel, in, in that story of David, it says that, um, after strengthening himself in the Lord, David went and sought the, the priest and sought God's wisdom, uh, direction about what to do next. That's a really important step. We are so blessed that we can come to God, that we can talk to God, that God has promised us, his people, wisdom when we need it. That when we come and ask, it says that um, God is faithful, that he will give us wisdom and he will direct us. And, and the Lord directed David and the men to go and chase after these guys and they did and they were successful and they, they rescued everyone that had been taken from the, from the city. And within a very short space of time uh, from these events, what we discover is that Saul is killed and David is in, in, uh, in what's the word, inaugurated. <laughs> David is made king. For a very short space of time, from sitting in a pile of ash with everything taken away from him, it, it is probably a matter of weeks before he is actually uh, installed as the next king and God fulfills his promise. And here's the thing, no matter how bleak things look, just like Joseph who went from prison to prime minister, you never know when God's promise will be fulfilled. We don't know what's just around the corner. No matter how bad things look, no matter how bleak the situation seems, we never know how far away God's salvation is. God can turn things around like that, can't he? So what's the point of all the waiting? Why does God make us wait sometimes? Sometimes it's frustrating, isn't it? Sometimes it's irritating, sometimes it's annoying, sometimes we just want to get on with it. But here's the thing, all of these guys that we've been talking about this morning, they had to wait for the promise, the fulfillment of what God had promised them. Abraham, Joseph, David, they waited years for the fulfillment of what God had promised to them. But here's the thing, it was the waiting that made them ready for what God wanted to do. None of them were the same person at the time when the promise was fulfilled that they were at the time when the promise was given. Sometimes it's the waiting, it's the trusting, it's the patience, it's the endurance where we actually learn something about who we are. We grow, we mature, we learn to hold fast to God. James chapter 1 Verse 3 and 4 says, You know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Sometimes it is that process that, God's, uh, that, that God takes us through that matures us, gets us to the point. And here's the thing too, we have to trust in God's timing. 
God's timing is always perfect. God will never bring us uh, or, or lead us or direct us into a situation that we're not ready for. Sometimes we, you know, sometimes he might uh, talk to us about what's going to happen and then we rush ahead and we think, God, why did you bring me into this? <laughs> sometimes we, we do that, don't we? But waiting, sometimes God directs us to wait because he knows that it's not the right time. We're not yet ready. Just like Joseph, who was this kind of young precocious a little bit arrogant kind of man who was bragging to his brothers about how one day they were all going to bow down to him uh, you know and, the, and through the process that God led him through by the time it came to um, the, the fulfillment of this promise and by the time that his brothers actually came and, and were there before him it was like God had matured him to this place where instead of now lording it over, instead of the, ah, ha, ha, I told you so, you know, kind of thing that Joseph could have done, he's like, he's lifting up his brothers and saying, no, 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 come, you're my brothers, let's be restored. What, what, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And, you know, so there's this, play, there was this amazing forgiveness that Joseph extends to his brothers who tried to kill him. God's timing is perfect. Sometimes it's us who need maturing, isn't it? Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. As we continue to be faithful in doing what is right, even when we can't see the reward, we, what we're doing is we're trusting God. We're saying, God, even if I don't see anything right now, I trust that at the right time, you will bring the blessing. At the right time, you will lift me up. At the right time, you will, you will grant your, your reward. And whether that's in this life or in the next life, it doesn't matter because He is faithful. Now, I don't know... Maybe this morning you, there are some very clear things that you know that God has promised to you. And we're talking about, we're not just talking about things that we, we, you know, we wish for or things that we'd like or, you know, but, but some, some of you, there are specific things that you know that God has promised and you've not seen the fulfillment of that yet. Some of you, maybe this morning, there isn't things that immediately come to your mind. I want to encourage you that there are some things that God has promised to every believer. There are some things that if you have put your faith in Christ, if you have trusted Him as your Savior, there are some things that He has promised for you. Some of them have been fulfilled already. He's promised to be with us um, and He is. He's fulfilling that now. He's with us now. There are other things that are, are still yet to come. Uh, a little while ago, we, we, talked, we, we did a series on his return. This is one of the things that he's promised, isn't it? He's promised that he's coming back. He's promised that he's coming back for his people. He's promised us eternal life with him. He's promised that one day sin and death and sickness will be destroyed and wiped away. He's promised that one day there will be no more sadness, there will be no more loss, there will be no more grief, there will be no more separation from Him. 
we aren't always promised comfort, are we? We aren't always promised that our every need will be met financially. We aren't always promised that our every desire will will happen. We aren't, in an earthly sense, we aren't all even promised tomorrow. Are we? But we are promised that He is coming back. Hebrews 10 says, So do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now so that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that He has promised. For in just a little while, the coming one will come and not delay. And my righteous ones will live by faith. But I will take no pleasure in anyone who turns away. Hebrews 6 verse 19 and 20. We sang a song this morning about Jesus being our anchor, didn't we? He says, This hope that we have is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Don't we sometimes need an anchor? Don't we sometimes feel like everything's just changing constantly in our world today? Sometimes an anchor has this, is used to uh, convey this sense of connectedness, of groundedness, of stability in the midst of waves and storms. And our anchor connects us and holds us strong and firm. But it says this, this hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary and Jesus has already gone in there for us. And not only do we have this, this anchor that connects us to um, the, the, the holy place where God's presence is, but says Jesus is already there watching out for us. It says he has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. I want to encourage you this morning. I'm not sure what it is that you're waiting for. I'm not sure what it is that you're going through and patiently enduring. What you, maybe what you're waiting for to end, perhaps this morning. But I want to encourage you to hold on to the Word of God, to hold on to His promise, to hold on to the truth that He is faithful that He has got you, that He is your anchor that is connecting you. And he will keep you and sustain you if you will hold on to Him. Can we pray? Father, we thank You that You are faithful. We thank You that You never let us down, that You never give up on us. And Father, I pray for those this morning who are at that point of feeling like it's there, there's no hope or feeling like it's, they're, they're ready to give up, feeling like it, it will never happen for them or, or maybe this, that the situation that they're going through seems like it has no end. Lord, for all of us, I think at the moment, we can feel a little bit that way at the moment with all of covid and the restrictions and um and sickness and fear and it just seems like when will this ever end i think lord we know that you are faithful 
And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us to, to follow in the footsteps of those who've gone before us, who, who waited patiently for the promise and saw it fulfilled. Lord, let us take uh, confidence and comfort from knowing that the same God who fulfilled his promise to Abraham, to, to Joseph and to David is the same God who will fulfill his promise to me. Father, we thank you that you are in everything. That no matter what happens, Lord, we can have that, that confident hope and assurance that, that, that there is a day coming when you will come and you will gather your people to yourself and you will wipe away every tear from every eye. You will deal with sin and, and death once and for, for all. You will restore all things and make all things right. Father, we look forward with anticipation to that day when we meet you face to face. Lord, help us to be patient. To endure the things that are maturing us and growing us now. Continue to do what's right. To continue to, to live as your children in the world that we find ourselves. And to continue to hold on to the hope that we have in you. Strengthen us, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information or to listen to other podcasts, head to our website at BethelCRC.org.au or check out Bethel Family Church on Facebook.